2: James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. If any of you Lacks wisdom, verse 1, to guide him through a decision or circumstance. He is to ask our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given him. Now, the Spirit of God, through the pen of James, is pointing to wisdom as a key to the believer's endurance. The Christian's need for wisdom. Is likened to his need to be continually filled with the Spirit, Ephesians five eighteen, because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of wisdom. That's our source, the Spirit of God, and in order to yield our souls to what our spirits already possess, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter six verse seventeen, we must submit our will in obedience to his. Now the word for lax is the Greek word lapo. And it means to leave behind, forsake, or to be left behind, to be wanting. And the word for wisdom is that beautiful lady's name, Sophia. And in this context, he refers to the counsel of God that only a believer may know. So if the child of God has submitted his soul to the Spirit of God, he will be walking by the Spirit. Now, you know, Paul tells us over and over again, there are only two ways to walk, right? You walk by the Spirit if you're a child of God. That's the only way you can walk, by the Spirit. That means that you are completely yielded to your new creation being to the Spirit of God within you, and you are walking walking, with the power in, literally animated by the Spirit of God. And he says this is the way the child of God is to live. Literally dependent and animated by the Spirit of God. And living in obedience to the Spirit of God. That's the way the child of God is to live. Or you live according to the flesh. Now according to the flesh indicates that that, that is not your true identity. But you're living as though it is. Before you were saved, it was. But after you were saved, it is no longer. The flesh is a suit that you wear. But unfortunately, because we are surrounded with people walking around in these suits, we tend to believe that's who we are. The enemy wants us to believe that's who we are. The world wants us to believe that's who we are. The media wants us to believe that's who we are. But if we're going to walk in victory, if we're going to walk in truth, we must walk by the Spirit. And the Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. Galatians 5.25 If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct What? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the way we're to live. There are no options other than living according to the flesh. And you know what that is? Carnal for the Christian. That's just carnal. It's you living as though you don't have the Spirit of God in you. It's you ignoring the truth of who you are and living as though you are lost. Now, in the context of wisdom... Wisdom in this place is the supernatural. It is the counsel of God himself. It is God's mind being imparted through the Spirit of God to your life. In order to live in the counsel of the Lord, you must be yielded to the Spirit of God. You must be hearing his word. You must be seeking his word. Now, we can ignore it. And this is what James is saying. You know what? If you're lacking in the Spirit of God, you need to appropriate the truth and listen to the Spirit of God. Ask God. You need to ask Him. And He gives generously. He gives generously without finding fault. There's one thing that I'll talk about this again later. But there's one thing that God's not going to withhold from you and that is the Spirit's guidance. If you're his child, you're a sheep in need of a shepherd, and he is your shepherd. He's not going to resign that position. So you wake up one day and you say, you know what, I need to start watching the shepherd. I need to start listening to the shepherd. Did he ever go away? No. He never went away. He's not going to neglect you in any way. In fact, he is going to be looking straight at you. And the moment that you are inclined to hear his guidance, to know his instruction, wisdom, you'll receive it. Now, what does that mean to you? It means you've got it. Receive it, walk in it. See, here's the thing we want to separate God from his attributes. So, how do I do that? How do we do that? We continually ask God for what he's already given us. Lord, I need your wisdom. How about, Lord, I need to operate in your wisdom. Lord, I need to recognize your wisdom. Lord, I need to walk in obedience to your wisdom. Not, Lord, could you give me a special wisdom package today. Because we're not going to separate God from who he is. And you know who God is? He is wisdom. You don't separate it. You appropriate it. You don't separate God from who he is. Do you ask God to love you more? No. Because God is love. To walk by the Spirit is to walk in the wisdom of God. Now this wisdom attends... Even our unconscious decision. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we don't have to turn around and say, God, I hope you're with me when I make this decision. But I sure hope you help me make this decision. Lord, please help me. Why don't you just start by saying, Father, thy will be done. I am walking with you today. I'm communing with you today. You direct my path, And then you don't have to ask him at every turn which way to go. He's directing you. And I've learned that the hard way. How about you? Because about the time I accept the Spirit's conviction about not listening to the wisdom of God, the enemy comes along and puts me in a position of micromanaging my relationship with God. And how well does that work out? Because sooner or later, you're going to lose attention, lose lose focus on that, and then he'll hit you with guilt about that. And the reason you didn't go the right way, the reason you didn't turn this direction, the reason you didn't do the right thing here is because you forgot to ask God at that moment. Is there anybody here been in that position? I mean, the enemy gets you coming and going. So how about this? Listen, it has been my heart. It has been the desire of my being to walk every day in the communion of my God. In the absolute and complete recognition of his presence and his life within me. It is my desire to be obedient to his every command. I have no other objective, no other design, nor desire. Do you want to be obedient? Do you really? You came up with that? No, you became a new creation, and the new creation came up with that. That's exactly the way you were created. You were created for obedience. Do you recognize that? Well, if you don't, just go out there and be disobedient, and you'll recognize that doesn't suit you. You were created for obedience, but you don't have to spend every day saying, Lord, help me, help me, help me be obedient. Lord, be with me. I want to be obedient. Lord, I sure hope you're with me. I need wisdom, so I'll be obedient. I want to make sure I make the right move. That's micromanaging God, and he's not in that. He'd rather you live by faith. How about that? Live by faith. All right. The spirit of wisdom works in the inclinations of our heart. He's given us the desires of his heart. If your heart is yielded to him and you want what he wants, are you going to constantly be double checking your, yourself? You're counting on him to guard you from difficulty, guard you from sin, aren't you? Or are you planning on doing that yourself? I'm counting on him to do it. Cuz I found that, you know, I'm my vision's not so good down here. Right? And he he is the shepherd of our souls, is he not? Okay, this spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom is Christ's life, which literally animates our spiritual being. So if my spiritual life is in union with his life, then the inclination of who I am in Christ is going to be to listen and hearken unto his wisdom, to live by the truth of his presence, to be obedient to his every desire, to worship him, to live in the things that he enjoys. That's going to be the inclination of my heart. I can just yield to that, can't I? I read this in my study. He's talking about the wisdom of God. And he says, he... And only he has wisdom who knows God with a living heart knowledge which gives a just insight into the facts of life and bounds of right and wrong which regulates conduct and shapes the whole man with power far beyond that of knowledge however wide and deep illuminating intellect however powerful knowledge is a poor superficial uh, item in comparison with this wisdom, which may roughly be said to be equivalent to the practice of religion. Now, that's kind of a bad word for us, religion. But what this of the this century is talking about the practice of living a godly life, the practice of living in truth. Now, just as we see in the practice of faith, for the endurance of trial of the trials of life. Must be a way of life. The practice of faith for the endurance of the trials of life must be a way of life, not an application for us when things go beyond our ability to manage. Faith is the way we live, it's the way we live the Christian life. It's not something we use in order to live the Christian life, it is the way we live the Christian life consistently. And that means that it's not topically appropriated. I got an ache. I'm going to put some faith on that. I got an ache. I'm going to apply some faith to that. I've got a problem. I'm going to apply some faith to that. No, it's how we live. In the practice of this, living this life by faith, we see the need for dependency upon the wisdom of God in every moment of our living. Not just when... Uh, our need for understanding or intellectual capabilities are found wanting. This wisdom is ours to live by, to and from as new creations. 1 Corinthians one twenty four. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Who is your life? Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But it is from him that you are in Christ, who made to us, who became to us, wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God, and redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty of sin. All of this is resident in, and in, the, in Christ himself, our salvation, our wisdom, our very life. Yet, those who live according to the flesh do so by means of the wisdom of the flesh or the world, which God regards as foolishness. It is the raw intellectual capacity of man without God that is directed by the enemies of God. We are arrogant to, to assume that we have independent thought because we are sheep that require a shepherd. Now, what does that mean? We tend to think of ourselves as being independent, being able to make our own decisions, not being influenced. Well, if you haven't seen it in our local political situation, in our national political situation, we are sheep. And if we don't have the stability of the wisdom, the presence of God, we get pushed around. Now, what do you suppose is manipulating and pushing a sheep around if it's not God? Well, I bet you could make a quick guess. It's the enemies of God. But we tend to think that we can have independent thought apart from God or apart from the enemy. We can have an unbiased point of view apart from God or apart from the enemy. no. You are either walking according to by the spirit or according to the flesh. There's no in between. There's not Todd when he's being independent. Me be walking by the spirit or by Todd when he's being independent or according to the flesh. No, it's not there. And it's not there for you either. If you're letting your mind just drift. If you're just channel surfing, if you're not making it a determined work to put your mind and your focus upon him, if you're not renewing your mind with truth, guess who's pushing your buttons? That's the way it works. There's no middle ground. And you say, well, I don't think that we have to you know, put all our focus on the Lord. There's too many distractions in this life and that doesn't mean that the enemy just rides in and takes control. No, I didn't say that. What I said was that the soul is an instrument to be played and it will either be played by the Spirit of God or by the enemy. There's no middle ground. And this is why Paul says over and over again, renew your mind, set your mind on godly things, walk in truth, walk a by the Spirit. There's no break from that. It's a determination of faith. The mind or soul that is operated apart from the preeminence of the Spirit of God is a ready tool in the enemy's hand that thrusts us into pride, fear, and all manner of sin. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body. Okay, let's see if there's an in-between here. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. His will and purpose. Is there an in-between? You see, you will set your mind according to who you follow. Right? Now, why am I making that point? Because there's only one place of wisdom. You see? And that is through the Spirit of God. Now, does James say, if you lack wisdom, you must concentrate and study? If you lack wisdom, consult the professor or the teacher or maybe even the pastor. If you lack wisdom, go to the internet. If wisdom is just a matter of intellect or understanding, James' command seems a little weak. After all, if you want to be a doctor, you must go to medical school. Or if you want to be a lawyer, you must attend law school. But let me tell you something. If you want divine wisdom, you must ask God because it only comes through the Spirit of God who dwells in the believer. That's the only source. That's it. We ask our giving God. One author wrote this. That represents not so much the divine giving as an act, speaking of God. Speaking of God's willingness to give. But he says, if, my, if I may so say, it comes as a divine habit from God. It is just what the prayer book says. His nature and property is to have mercy. He is a giving God because he is a loving God. For love is essentially the impulse to impart itself to the beloved. And thereby to win the beloved for itself. That is the very life breath of love. And such is the love of God. There is a must even for that heavenly nature. He must bestow. He is giving and is the blessed God. Because he is the loving and the giving God. Just as the sun cannot but pour out its rays. So the very activity of the divine nature is the beneficence of self impartation and his joy is to grant himself to his creature whom he has made empty for the very purpose of giving all of himself that the creature is able to receive that impacted me because here I'm thinking that God's just giving me wisdom because I asked it But he is compelled to give of himself to me. He made me to receive all that I am capable to receive of him. It is his desire. He is a God of love. I don't have to beg these things from him. He desires to give them to me. And his wisdom, which is, in fact, the guidance of his spirit, the, the counsel of his mind, he would give to me to the degree that I had the capacity to receive it what a god he's not just addressing your your little situation or your little circumstance or whatever it is you think you need guidance in he's giving you his counsel he's giving you himself what a god it goes so far beyond dotting an i or crossing a t He withholds nothing. And you know what? It's even more fascinating to me. And I love these old writers because they seem to to capture it in a way that the contemporary writers don't. And he says, he's giving you, he made you in order to be able to give you all of himself. That's what he's saying. He made you for himself in order to be able to give you all of himself. You are a new creation being in order to receive all that he has in Christ. All that you have in Christ. I mean, think about it. You were made a human being. You were born in Adam, right? You were born into this world. I mean, did he have to make the sky blue and the grass green and the flowers different colors? Did he have to do all that? No. You wouldn't have known the difference. On top of that, he gave you eyes to see the beauty of all of that. And he gave you skin so that you could feel the soft breeze blowing upon you. And he gave you ears so you could hear the song of the bird. Do birds need a song? Did he have to do that? You see, this is a God who just goes overboard to show his love and his goodness and his kindness. Not because he has to prove anything. It's because it's who he is. And so we're in a desperate situation. And the enemy comes to us and he tries to convince us that somehow God's going to withhold something from us because we've had something of a less than stellar background. And the God is absolutely just pouring out His love Pouring out his grace. Pouring out his mercy. Giving you all of the treasures of heaven. Is standing up there wanting to push it all your way. Wanting you to understand that you have it in Christ. Wanting to open your eyes to the riches and the abundance of his life. Because he came that you might have life. And that you might have it to abundance. To the full. And then we can turn and we can say, it's not because I've earned this. It's not because I deserve this. It's because my God is my God that I receive it. Because we so often find ourselves operating in the economy of flesh, trading with and for whatever is accepted currency. We enter into the accuser's lie that our God operates on the same economy and that we must come before him with our need only after having earned his favor. Or beg for credit against promised devotion in order to receive. Have you ever done that? Lord, if you'll do this. We're applying for credit. And how credit worthy are we, huh? I don't know about you, but my rating's a flat zip. Does God rebuke you in your request? Pointing out to your failings, your lack of stewardship in the past? No. When it comes to the wisdom of God, you're asking for what He has made the soul ready to receive. He desires us to live from His wisdom.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org